0: the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. This last week we heard about how our Lord Jesus taught in the synagogue, and much to the amazement of the people, he taught as one with authority. He did not couch his preaching on the authority of others. Rabbi so-and-so said this, Rabbi such-and-such says this. The traditional understanding of this text goes like this. This was the way that the people had become used to, had become accustomed to teaching, the way they were taught by the scribes and the Pharisees. But no, this Jesus, because he is the prophet foretold by Moses over a thousand years before, because he is the son of God, comes, come as our brother, he teaches with his own authority. And of course, if the crowds were amazed by his teaching, they were amazed all the more by his authority to cast out the unclean spirits. Having been confronted by that demon and commanding him to leave the man, and immediately the spirit obeyed him, the congregation gathered at that synagogue was amazed. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Now, immediately after he had left the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon, that is, Peter, and his brother Andrew, along with James and John. And here we see another theme that is most prominent in Luke's gospel, but is certainly present in all the others. And that is the insistent demands of the crowds upon Jesus and Jesus' desire to withdraw to find time away from the throngs of people and find respite in prayer in a private place, or at least in a place with his close disciples. For according to his humanity, even Jesus needed rest and the constant communion with his Father in prayer. This in itself is a lesson for us in a busy age. The same lesson taught by God's prescription of a Sabbath day In the Old Testament, we are called to work and activity, and that is certainly true. We are called to service to our neighbor and to God. But it is also of the utmost importance for our physical health, yes, but most of all for our spiritual health, that we find a time to rest in God's grace, simply to rely on God and receive his gifts. And so as the crowds are amazed that Sabbath, Jesus retires to the home of Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, accompanied by James and John. Peter and Andrew, along with the Zebedee brothers, uh, were business partners before they were called by Jesus to be his disciples. And now that they have followed the Lord, they make up Jesus' inner circle, even within the Twelve. Now, interesting side note, archaeologists are pretty sure that they have found Peter's house. So it's one of those places that you can go to the Holy Land, travel there, and see where these events actually took place. So Jesus had withdrawn from the crowds to the house of Peter with his closest disciples. But in this fallen world, there is no place that sin and its effects are not felt those very things which Jesus had come to overcome. So there at Peter's home, his mother-in-law is ill with a fever. Now to some, this might come as a surprise. Not that the poor woman was sick, but that Peter has a mother-in-law. Meaning that Peter was married. Even if you know very little about the Roman Catholic Church, two things that you probably know are that priests are supposed to be celibate, that is, they cannot get married, and that Peter is supposed to be the first pope. How is this the case? Well, the scriptures nowhere suggest that ministers of the gospel should not be married. In fact, they very clearly suggest that the opposite is true in most circumstances, that it should be the regular order of things that pastors are to be married. Now it is true that there are some who, like St. Paul, are given a special gift of celibacy. For those who have this gift, who neither desire marriage nor are tempted to sex, Paul says that it is good for them to remain single. Why? Well, because they can devote themselves fully to the service of God and his church, while the married man must devote himself in part to serving his wife and children. The one who is given the special gift of celibacy is a eunuch for the kingdom of God, as Jesus says. But it is important to remember that this is a special gift given to some and not very many, and never is celibacy required or commanded of anyone, only chastity. And chastity, of course, is required of all. And so St. Paul sets forth this principle, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And so all are called to chastity. And so if you do not have that special gift of celibacy, St. Paul says, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. It is better to marry than to burn with passion. And of course, marriage itself is a most noble calling and blessed estate instituted by God himself. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him, St. Paul says. For a very few, this will be a life of celibacy dedicated to the service of the kingdom of God. But for the vast majority, including pastors, including St. Peter, they are called to marriage. Paul himself uses Peter's marriage to make this very point. Paul even suggests that he is alone among the apostles by not being married, that all the rest of them were. He says, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Peter. No, the norm of priestly celibacy only became law in the Roman church under Pope Gregory the Seventh in the 11th century. And it was a terrible mistake. So much great shame and scandal and vice entered the church by a law which forbid to priests that which God blessed and commanded. That right exercised by Peter and the twelve apostles themselves, that gift received even by those most holy of men. And so Peter's mother-in-law, because he is married, she is oppressed and sick with a fever. And immediately they told Jesus about her. And Christ Filled with compassion immediately goes to her and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her the unclean spirit he cast out by a word the fever simply by the touch of a hand all that oppresses us all those effects and horrors of sin give way before the Savior all the powers of the devil are broken These signs of power, the miracles done during his ministry, point to the answer of that all-important question that Jesus often asks. Who do you say that I am? Who is this? He is Christ, the Lord. And he has authority to rebuke the demons and they listen, and even the fever must break according to his will. And while he casts out the unclean spirits in the synagogue according to his will and relieves Peter's mother-in-law from sickness for a time, these miracles point forward and are signs to the miracle and the sign. Each little work of Christ points forward to his grand work, demonic possession, possession by fever, all the various diseases of body and soul, each and every one Christ has come to overthrow and destroy, bearing the guilt of our sins with him to the cross and putting them to death with his death. He rises from the dead bearing with him our justification, the guilt of sin gone, the righteousness of life ours, having conquered all that oppresses us by his death. He gives us victory over the unclean spirits, the fever, and death itself forever by his resurrection. Having been healed, Peter's mother-in-law becomes an image of all Christians. She began to serve them. Indeed, being healed by Jesus, she serves him and his disciples. This is the call that we all have, who have been spiritually healed of sin sickness by Jesus to rise up and serve him and serve his disciples in the church, each according to their gifts and talents and skills, as God had called them. Having retreated from Peter's house and healing his mother-in-law, soon the crowds followed. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Finding no respite, even in Peter's home, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. But even there he was sought. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And so he said, let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. On with his work to conquer sin. There will be no respite for him, no time to stop except for prayer, no Sabbath until his Sabbath rest in the tomb, from which he will rise victorious, giving us all his Sabbath rest. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may rise for the offertory.